Hello and welcome to another episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker, and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Becky Cloonan. We hope you enjoy. I, I'm always like intrigued by by the amount of time a book occupies a creator's head, sort of, because it, you know, for writers, I feel like a book incubates for a long time. Whereas an artist sort of, I feel like it's a lot shorter of an incubation. They, they get a script and they're kind of going, but, but the thing that I always find really interesting, and I'm wondering what your thoughts on this, I feel like a book lives on in a writer's head a lot more than an artist's head in some ways. Like I, a lot of my writer friends sort of keep thinking about projects after they're done and out and dwelling on them. And artists are just like, I'm already immersed in the next thing. Like that's done. And I'm, over with like how what's your relationship to a book like once you finish drawing it do you feel do you still think about it or are you just no yeah. <laughs> well it depends if it's my own book I will keep thinking about it like my mini comics I'll go to those characters like over and over mm-hmm. and they feel like old friends so it's like I'm constantly like if I'm doodling something like I'll doodle them because it's you know they're it's it's a different relationship with like my original characters sure than I have mm-hmm. with like you know, a licensed character or whatever. Um, like even like a book like The Killjoys where it's like, you know, original characters, but also like, I didn't think of them. I just helped bring them to life in like a different sure. kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, as a writer, as a writer, I think I do the same thing. I think I just like, once it's done, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Unless it's like one of my personal stories, uh-huh. know, like, oh, like sad girl in the woods story kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll think about that all, all yeah. day. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sad girl but, like, in the woods stuff? versus kicky punchy kicky boys. punchy beady voice. Yeah. <laughs> the battle. This is a whole. That's a. If the story a... has a werewolf in it, I'll probably think about it. Like you know, <laughs> a few years at least. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> and there are stories like I think Gotham Academy is definitely like an exception to that. Because uh, sure. you know I talk to Carl and Brendan like pretty regularly too. So. Um, and and there's always the option of like doing more with mm-hmm. that, uh, so mm-hmm. that those characters kind of live on as like oh like you know they pop up as you know like yeah. a little more regularly, yeah. Um, well, I want to talk about let's talk about Gotham Academy and 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 Batgirls and and the stuff you do at at DC. Um, I I was going to say something that was not true uh which is that you, you tend you to focus... tell a lie i was gonna lie <laughs> and just be like you tend to focus well i was gonna say you tend to focus on like uh at, at dc like you focus a lot on like younger heroes between gotham yeah. academy and Batgirls, girls but also like wonder woman is not young so that's not entirely true no. but but I'm, I'm fascinated by uh gotham academy and Batgirls. one because i'm always sort of in love with anytime there's like a new title, like a, a creation of a title, a title that hasn't existed mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And like, while Batgirls is 
just a bunch of the bat girls it's plural, that you're ask. So it's plural yeah so the whole new way different whole new thing but but it is it is a whole new like it's a new dynamic and it's a new thing that, that i think is really smart and that i love and and gotham academy is just obviously a complete like new new idea that i think is is so great and i think the kind of thing that you know i wish big two comics did more of what is it about sort of younger characters in those universes that that draws you to them? Well, Gotham Academy was, um, that was, I think it was like New 52 era. It wasn't like the first wave, but it it came in with like Arkham Manor and like there was um, the Grayson book. There was like a Nightwing book that came out. Like I think it was Grayson, Um, like those three. And it was Mark Doyle kind of headed, spearheaded those he just like called me up one day and he's like, I want to get you on like a Gotham Batman book. He had just become like group editor. He's like, yeah. And, and I worked with him on new demo with Vertigo. Uh, mm-hmm. So he and I kind of had a working relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what's your idea? And I was like, well, it's Gotham Academy. <laughs> you see, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about, you know, and I, I was basically like, um, at the time, I think I pitched it as like Hogwarts and Gotham. I was like, you can't go wrong. It's like, yeah. it's like kids going to school. And he's like, so, it's like, you know, I think Dan DiDio kept on wondering, like, was it, is it like superhero school? Are they going to mm-hmm. be like heroes and like villains and stuff? And they have like superhero outfits. I was like, no, they're, their outfits are their, like their costumes are their school uniforms. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and he's like, so they, what about their like superhero costumes? I was like, school uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that just, it just made sense because it was like, here's a book. It's very, it's skewed very YA, even though it was still mm-hmm. like a monthly book. Um, and it read like a monthly um, it was like filling a, a, a hole in the unit in the Gotham, you know, books where I don't think there had been a book quite like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and one where Batman was just kind of like this looming shadow. And we did stuff with like every other Batman villain, except mm-hmm. Bat- Batman. I think Bruce Wayne was in it like a couple times. And like Batman came in like once or twice. So we just yeah. did, we kept him as like kind of a looming figure um, who's like tangentially related to the plot, but. Um, like that was like the goal uh and and it was i can't we came in with like a whole weird story of like here's the whole thing and like we got years of material and like we got through it all like when mm-hmm. when the book ended yeah, wow. we were like done with the story that we like wanted to tell yeah which was amazing, awesome. amazing for dc because <laughs> yeah you know it's dc uh, um, and like you never really know how long something's gonna run so that was like a, a pretty big accomplishment i think yeah and do you, like it, it's fascinating to me because like i just look at that book and it feels so different than everything that dc publishes <laughs> it really like still stands out as this sort of very unique entity at dc and the big two of like we don't have to just be people in tights fighting yes. it can be slice of life it can be it can be about kids it can be and it's all these things that i love in comics that don't really appear and i'm always like i wish we had more of this and then i myself and most people i know when they get you know when when they get the call that's like what do you want to do we're always like oh batman thing or a, you know yeah. the big well, thing. you gotta say batman yeah but, uh, so i'm wondering like it, it's it's a fascinating book to me just because like it does a thing that i wish people did more of and then the reason people don't do it is because they just aim for the biggest, 
you know, the biggest star in the room. Everyone just scrambles to grab like Batman or Superman. Yeah. And and I've always sort of had this like romantic idea that like this connects to being a mini comics person that you were like, no, I want to do this other thing. I want to tell this mm -hmm. other story that's that's smaller and weirder and more unique. Do you feel like there's a connection there or that's just who you are? I think or... so. I, I think you're probably onto something there. Um, I think mm -hmm. especially with Gotham Academy, it was like, it was the fact that there were no other books like that. And you want to be able to bring them a book that's like, hey, this is nothing like anything that you have. Um, it's all original characters. Um, there was like a, an aspect of Clayface in there, but like, and I think Damian Wayne popped up like once or twice. Mm -hmm. And um, I was living in Montreal at the time and my desk was like right across from Carl Kershaw's. So uh -huh. I got to watch the side of his head as he drew all day, which was great. Um, and immediately I was like, I know Carl is going to like, this is a book that he needs to work on too. And yeah. Brendan Fletcher, who's up there also, I was like, I don't want to write this whole thing because that's like so, so much work. <laughs> so I brought Brendan on as like a co-writer thinking like, if this book does go on for like three years, which it did, it's something that we can both kind of like pop back and forth, you know, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. which worked out really well. And we all had the same touchstones. It's like, and being in the same place to like develop it and work, they figure out all these characters and write the whole thing. Like we'd go out for like lunch together and like for coffee and like grab like eat cookies and, <laughs> and think about the comics. It's, it was like a really cool time to, you know, bat ideas around and, I think it made the book something special because we were all like in the same place. Do you, do you feel like there's a lot of a room in the big two comics industry as we have it right now for this sort of thing? Because like, it feels like stuff like this, like stuff that can have more slice of life elements, like has trouble getting and staying off the ground. Whereas like you look at like a web tuner or whatever, and it's like, that stuff is huge. Like you've even got the Batman family webtoon thing that is like primarily slice of life stuff and it's like people love that stuff like do you think within uh the you know sort of mainstream comics industry with marvel and dc that there's like there's enough space for stuff like this to to pop up more often i hope so i think it's just a matter of like them taking chances on books i mean dc does a lot of this with their ya line now where it's yeah. like very different takes mm -hmm. and like the ya line like you can get away with so much more stuff in the ya books like they swear they say like fuck mm -hmm. and stuff like that in these books and it's like we can't do that in the monthly books wait they, <laughs> Come on. they curse in the ya books they do yeah it's like take a look at some of these books they're actually they're some of them are like amazing yeah um, I, they, and I they have... touch on like very adult mm. topics and like i mean it's like ya novels you know they're yeah. dealing with stuff that's like you know you're reading above your your grade or whatever sure um and mm. you know a lot of these books are like you know they're doing stuff that like we can't do in the monthly books Mm -hmm. just because it's like mm -hmm. the, the market you know yeah. i don't know I, I hope that you know the, the big two or the big however many <laughs> i hope there's more room for still like experimenting and like taking chances on weirdo books because that's like i don't know yeah. that's what's gonna keep the it like keeps the industry fresh you know yeah. it's like we've seen everything before we can do that mm -hmm. any day Definitely. you know but having like weirdo books on the stands mm -hmm. and being like hey you know this is like part of our superhero industry as well yeah i, I always think it's kind of a matter of time especially when like we've seen this this like really recent explosion of like manga and anime happening over here and there are mm -hmm. so many titles 
in manga that feel like they deal with more slice of life mm-hmm. stuff and they'll just yeah. go for a million installments a million chapters of just i don't know they run a little bake shop and sometimes they gotta go get ingredients for their bakery uh <laughs> and it's nice and it's it's nice it's just like a really i saw one thing. the other day that like it was people that work at a dinosaur sanctuary and it's literally just oh the day to day just the like the like the the logistical elements of the dinosaur like sanctuary Alfred. you gotta Alfred tell me what that comic is because i feel like little... i need to read it i know yeah Alfred, Alfred could just be cleaning the house, and sometimes he's got to go get things to clean the house or to kick ass uh, alongside Batman or something. I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> in, uh, so many, there's so much uh, of all that stuff coming into uh, the peripherals of Western readers, and so yeah. hopefully the publishers are mm. paying attention to that and and wanting to get on board with it. It is weird that it feels like. It wasn't like an immediate like yes all right we're gonna start doing all of this shit and instead it feels like they're like oh, i don't know maybe we'll that, dip our know, toe in a little that's like even mm-hmm. as a kid you're reading like x-men and it's the the parts when they like go to the mall or like when yeah. they play basketball that you're mm-hmm. like totally. oh, more of that yeah. like yeah. Yeah, that's such <laughs> that's a good absolutely. point absolutely that's the fun stuff yeah. um yeah, yeah I, that's it back rolls that was like the balance that we were trying to strike with that was like mm-hmm. half in costume half mm-hmm. out like i would love to do more like just out of costume stuff but i think with superhero stuff especially on like a big like the main title of a thing it's like that like, you gotta have the costumes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well from from these books you you sort of catapult to wonder woman which is you know the part of the holy trinity of dc and and about as big as they get i mean i know that you worked on batman which is slightly bigger but (laughs) but writing wonder woman was that like what was that like for you as as a as a thing because i know that there are people who wonder woman is like their everything like wonder woman is is the most important character like did you feel the weight of that a lot and and Oh yeah, she's like of all the characters, she's become like a symbol. You know, she like represents a lot Mm -hmm. of things to like many different people, and it's like you feel like you have to honor that, but at the same time, you want to make it compelling. Mm -hmm. You want to tell a compelling story. Mm -hmm. Um, She's so powerful, but you don't want to do like a story where she's just like steamrolling over people. Sure. (laughs) You know, so how do you take this like god tier character, like literally god tier, and then make her like? Oh yeah, but she she is a symbol, but also like what like who is she as a person? You know, yeah. like when mm-hmm. and we came in at a really cool time. Uh, Michael Conrad and I co-wrote it, and when we started it, Death Metal had just ended and she had died. Yeah. So I was like, perfect. She goes mm-hmm. to the wrong afterlife. Was like that was our pitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she ends up in Asgard. Mm-hmm. Like just being like, how did I get here? Um, and we did the old trope of like, oh, she doesn't mm-hmm. remember who she is because it's like you're in the wrong afterlife and you don't know how you get there and you you're you died so you're like kind of everything's kind of hazy because i feel like dying is a traumatic event sure <laughs> for the person who's <laughs> person who's dying would be like you know maybe it takes a bit to and, and we got to use um dead man as like the guide to the afterlife so you're pairing her with like a character that she's not usually paired with um right and doing that was cool because we got to have her rediscover what it is to be wonder woman Mm -hmm. um and like learn things about herself and like make mistakes and do things that i don't think regular wonder woman just like on earth would do 
Mm-hmm. Um, we she, we gave her like a really hard time in our run. Like Hippolyta died, and she was like questioning herself a lot. She had like you know um, a lot of doubt. I think so. A lot of our run was her like trying to deal with um, keeping peace between like two other Amazon tribes. There was like a, two crossover events that like it was crazy. There was so much stuff happened. There was like her. Uh, what I forget it was like her 80th no 75th I can't remember what year it was the anniversary that just happened my brain uh-huh. please excuse me it's a fog in here <laughs> you're you're talking about the uh this like amnesia trope that you guys wanted to get in there was there oh, yeah. uh like a specific example that you were like ah oh, I like that that's what I want to do with Wonder Woman or did you just sort of know that that was the perfect way to go about that story no we just figured it was like hey mm-hmm. tropes are here for you know you got to use them sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and especially with a character like wonder woman where it's like what are the things that what are the tools and tropes that we have like at our disposal to mm-hmm. get her into this story and to be like okay like you know if she had come into the wrong afterlife and knew she was wonder woman and knew she wasn't supposed to belong there she would go right for mm-hmm. like okay i'll just go to you know, Olympus. Boom, there, I'm in Olympus. It's like, that's like, <laughs> this character is so powerful. So you have to like set up roadblocks for characters mm-hmm. like this to overcome and uh, characters for me and doing the stuff with like other um, other afterlifes and, and and we had, we did like a whole Sphere of the Gods like tour. Like they went to the fifth dimension. There was like Mixel picks mm-hmm. or whatever. And like Batmite, which is like one of Michael's favorite characters. So sure. <laughs> that was cool that we got the to do like all this crazy stuff um uh you were talking about kind of getting to the core of who the character is like i feel like with a character kind of as larger than life as diana like it's 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 really easy to fall into traps of her being kind of dull like how how did you find kind of your way in of like what you're interested in with her and what you wanted to explore with her character wise we definitely took her we wanted one of the big things we wanted to bring back was like secret identity like Diana Prince and like really establish like a firm connection between like her in costume and her out of costume. And then her, of course, on the mascara where it's like, she can be out of costume, but she's still like um, Amazon royalty, you know, I'm the daughter of Hippolyta. Like, so there's these different aspects of her where she's like Wonder Woman, like at, like her, she's an ambassador to man's world. She's got to like keep she's part of the Justice League, all this stuff. So then, oh yeah. And then of course there's like her relationship with the other superheroes. So you've got like these different facets of her character that all need to be explored. And I think Diana Prince is the, her most human aspect where she's allowed to, you know, cry in the shower or like she's allowed to like doubt herself and wonder if she's making the right decisions because Wonder Woman doesn't doubt herself. She like will have to make like, you know, just like snap decisions that affect the fate mm-hmm. of the universe in like a second and she doesn't have time to doubt herself but making her like giving her this like time to step back and like um we wanted to like bring back her supporting cast so steve trevor's there uh etta candy's there checkmate was like a thing so it was about like surrounding her with other characters that can help her explore that human side of her and that was like kind of the angle that we took we got yeah. to do a little like espionage spy stuff and i mean one of the things after um death metal that was pretty cool was the the infinite frontier thing that dc did which was basically saying like everything is canon 
like, oh, it happened in like the TV show. Like that's canon. It happened in the cartoon. Like that's canon too. Like it's all like everything's canon. Like just make it all canon. (laughs) (laughs) So that was really cool to play around with because we got to like pick from like, you know, Wonder Woman runs like from like the Silver Age and like a lot of the Perez stuff, like, and even the stuff that Kelly Sue did in um, her Black Label book. uh, Historia. Historia, yeah, I'm sorry, God. Uh, like, we use designs from that for, like, some of the other goddesses because it's, like, that's can- right. it's canon. It's all part of, like, we can use it all. Like, and for someone like Wonder Woman who's had such a varied run, like, she, like she's, it's, the stories are widely, I mean, you say inconsistent, it sounds like it's bad, but it's kind of cool because it's just so varied and, like, some of them are so mm-hmm. strange. <laughs> so it's about like exploring that and like honoring all these things that happened before, but also like um, having her just like re-solidify like who this character is like right now. Um, it was a lot. It was like a sure. kind of a lofty goal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like I with, with comp books like Wonder Woman, of course, there's always like, you're like, okay, I've got, the, we've got this story. We've got this like, you know six issue arc or five issue arc or whatever and you spell it all out and everyone's like this sounds great let's let's fucking go you know let's do it and then they're like wait wait wait. actually where issue four is that's going to be like an anniversary issue or like like issue where this issue three is like we're gonna do like uh like we want batman and superman in this issue and like make it like a little story about them so we kept on having to like re-thread you know things and i think part of the thing about working with companies like marvel or dc or whatever it's problem solving is like half of storytelling. So when they throw something like this that you like, oh, there's like an anniversary issue. Now we got to like thread our story around it and like figure out like, how how can we continue this arc that we did without like, do we, you know, rewrite it so it's shorter, which we've done. Do we like write around it, which we've done, you know, Mm. do we try and like connect all these pieces up? So (laughs) the story stands on its own, but then like there's other, it's- Do you like doing that stuff? I do. It's a challenge. And yeah. I think I like it because um, it's it's not my character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I sometimes it's annoying, for sure. Yeah, but so. I do like the challenge of being like, okay, here's the problem. Like, let's get in there and let's figure it out. I'm, I'm definitely like a very like, yes, and collaborator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we can't do this. I was like, okay, well, then we'll do something else. Like, I'm never, yeah. there's never like a thing that's going to stop me from getting to like, mm-hmm. where I want to yeah in the story it's always just Mm -hmm. gonna be like you know we can we can work with it it's definitely (laughs) i could could fit in my schedule (laughs) yeah i did i did a book at dc um last year i don't need to name the title but it was like a pretty big book and we'd been building for 12 issues to to this thing and when i turned in the script for 12 they were like you can't do this (laughs) like this doesn't fit with where things are and uh, I just remember like my editors who were great calling me on the phone and being like, we're so sorry. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. Like this is part of the job, but like, yeah, let's have a solution. And it was like incredibly frustrating, incredibly stressful, but also like, I just had, it was so fun to sort of just be like, Oh, we're rebuilding this entire thing yeah. on the fly. Like we're, we've built the entire building and now they're like, well, you can't put whatever you were going to put inside it. And we have to build something else that comes out of it. And, and I, I'm always sort of like, I feel like that's a comics brain to be able to be like, well, that's fun. That's right. part of the puzzle. 
Yeah. And, and, and nothing's I, ever wasted. You know, you're never yeah. going to like come up with an idea that is like scrapped and gone forever. Like you take stuff from other things and like move them over here. And, like, yeah, we, for sure. Um, yeah. So that, that was actually, I'll go back on a little tangent about Gotham yeah. Academy. <laughs> there was like a point in time when we had, Ooh, I think it was like one of the teachers was like professor. Ooh, I think it was like Milo or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we had him in our first arc and then arc two they're like oh you can't use him because he just got like put in Arkham and I was like don't put our teachers in Arkham like make a list of all our teachers please and please stop incarcerating them because it kept on happening like oh, this, this character is in Arkham I'm like stop locking up our teachers I know we're using our villains as the teachers but that's like you know they need jobs <laughs> they gotta work reality <laughs> comics it don't matter teachers are getting the short end of the stick no matter what what? Yeah, yeah. He's paying for his own chemistry supplies. <laughs> my uh, my ninth grade science teacher uh, did get arrested, so but, uh, you know, feels ripped from the headlines. Yeah. Can uh, we? Can we? Why? Uh, she stole uh, the credit card number at a parent teacher dinner off of uh, kids uh, <laughs> and bought herself a large screen TV, which she had delivered to her house. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Wow. The person she what stole from was like, like, it seems like the dumbest thing you could ever do to be like, well, when a $5,000 TV is billed to the credit card and it has a delivery address, but the person she stole it from was so incredibly wealthy that I think the logic must have been like, they won't, they don't look at their they credit card bills. Um, yeah. I think wow. that, yeah, it was good times. I still uh, would have ordered it for pickup. Yeah, I think yeah, you get a okay. pickup. You you, you yeah. know you get a you get a PO box or something. Um, <laughs> the uh, it was good though because uh, no one would tell us like what happened. She just suddenly didn't work there anymore. And then uh, the art teacher who hated the school was like, "You guys want to know what happened?" And, told us. and it was yeah. it was a great uh, it was a great high school moment. That's amazing. Um, I don't think she went to Arkham though. I think she just went to regular old <laughs> jail. Which is, Which is I don't actually, really. I actually, so I actually she don't. She should have. They didn't. They didn't find her in her house with like clown makeup on. Yeah, <laughs> in front of a new TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. It could have been she's... really good though if she did go to Arkham, and then it's just like it's like the Joker, and he's like, uh-huh, "It's me, the Joker," and the Penguin is there, like, "And it's me, the Penguin." We're both crazy villains, and then it's just like, "What did you do?" And she's like, "Stolen TV." I got a Samsung. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a you know, uh... and they're like, "That's fucking wild." <laughs> like we never thought of that. Um... <laughs> Why don't we just bill Batman's credit card with the fridge and shit? Yeah, that's, that's the greatest Batman story ever told is the person who does credit card fraud on Bruce Wayne and gets away with it. That's he doesn't idea. look at his credit card. Um, the uh, We're going to cut that out because I'm going to pitch that. The uh, <laughs> So uh, you, uh, you, well, first of all, like, I feel like we, we, we've gone into more uh, career specific stuff, but I'm sort of wondering, going back a little bit, the transition to you writing for other people to draw. Um, yeah. Where did that, like, when did you decide you wanted to do that? It was after Killjoys, and I was just, I felt so burned out. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, that, it wasn't that book specifically, but I think it was like just a culmination of like a career of every book you do is like, you can only do one. You know, you're just 
so focused and it's so labor intensive. And I was like, um, going through some life changes too, you know, where you're just like, I don't know if I always said, like, if I don't feel like making comics anymore, I'll just stop because the last thing I want to do is like be bitter about making comics sure. and like, I hate what I do because I love them. Um, and so I, I was like, I think I just got to do something else because mm -hmm. I, I just can't draw anymore. You know, I didn't want to like nothing. I didn't like any, you know, wasn't, wasn't fun for me. And then everything I was like talking, I was, I knew so many editors. I was like, okay, I'm going to write now. And everyone's like, uh, you write like, <laughs> and then you find out that you're like, oh, you're back at square, square one. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I, and I was like, now I gotta, now I gotta prove myself that I'm like a writer now. So that's when I started like making mini comics again, but like more seriously. Mm -hmm. So like I did Wolves, the Meyer and Demeter, like three years in a row. And I started getting like small writing gigs. I did like an issue of Buffy. I did like, I can't remember, like some other it was small stuff mostly. Pitched an image book, um, Southern Cross. Uh, and it was just like kind of a slow, like I think once the image book came out, it was like easier for editors to be like, oh, maybe you can like, maybe you can write a little bit. <laughs> uh -huh. and, that, and then Gotham Academy kind of happened after that. So... Do you feel like when you when you give a script to an artist, um, how much? I always, I always feel bad. <laughs> you feel I bad. I always feel bad. Yeah, I always do. I'm like, oh, I know the pain. Of getting a new script. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> that, I feel like that says a lot about how you felt about drawing when you when you transitioned <laughs> to writing. Um, what do, what do you feel like though when you give a script like you've been on the other side of it do you feel like that gives you a better perspective on writing for other people do you feel like you have a unique perspective i think it's different when you are an artist and you also write i think this goes for writers who draw like a little bit you know uh -huh. who have done like maybe you're not like you don't think of yourself as a draftsman or an artist but like a lot of writers do thumbnail their stuff and i think it just helps to you know, you can like visualize what the page is going to look like. You can make sure that like everything's going to fit. You can like figure out where your like emotional beats or like where your action is going to be. Like, mm -hmm. so, and a lot of times, like if I know the artist, especially if I know their work like really well, it's easier to write for them mm -hmm. because I know like, oh, this artist is like maybe not as good at action, but they do like pathos really well and they have like yeah. really good chemistry with like the acting and the, the characters is really good. So then you kind of like lean into that, um, which is always like kind of a challenge when you don't like, especially at, like DC, like you never yeah. know who's going to be drawn the next thing. Sure. <laughs> like you're, you're very lucky if you know who's going to be drawing. Drawing your script. Yeah. Yeah. Do, so do you feel like you go easier on your artists than people went on you? Or do you feel like you're brutal because you, don't have to draw it yourself um i think it's about the same i have drawn my own scripts before there was like in the wonder woman crossover event that happened like last year i think um one of the artists it was like the, the one of the artists we had she's an amazing artist but she was in finland and the war broke out in the ukraine mm -hmm. and i think being the proximity to like russia sure. was, you know i think it was a very difficult time being that close to like conflict um sure and i kind of stepped in to help her out when you know it was like 
it's just gonna be too hard to, to, to do everything. Um, and that was like, I think the first time I worked off one of my own superhero scripts and mm -hmm. I was like, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was difficult of course, cause it's like, a, it's a, an event crossover book. So there's like the 8 million characters and I kept forgetting like, everyone has a new outfit cause it's an event. So everyone's got to like, Wonder Woman's got a cape now. And like, yeah. it's, everyone's got like a cool new look. It's like, I kept sending in these pages and they're like, Becky, you forgot to draw this. Like you draw in the wrong costume. Like the hair is all wrong. I was like, ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> and I did like, I had to do it like all over a weekend and it was just like, a, like oh, a kind of fun. Like I felt like I was in college again. I'm like, I'm staying up all night watching forensic files and drawing comics. <laughs> That's, that's kind of great to like end up having to draw a script that you didn't intend to draw. I feel like yeah. tells you what <laughs> tells you what kind of writer you are. And yeah, do you I was happy and you seem to yeah, you seem to enjoy it. So that's good. One question I wanted to ask, which is maybe a little more personal, but uh you've been writing a bunch with Michael Conrad. Yeah. Um, who is your partner in in real life. Um what is that like creatively to like work with someone who you then have to eat breakfast with? We work in different areas of the house, which helps, I think, oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's got his space in the basement mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've got a little room. I've got a room upstairs. Um, and we both have very different approaches to writing, mm -hmm. uh, which I think makes it like a fun, like, I mean, it's always good to work with someone who can like pick up your your slack, <laughs> like the stuff yeah. that I'm not great at. He's always like, and he's got so many ideas. He's an idea person too. So it's like when something happens, it's like if if I can't think of something, he'll definitely be able to think of mm -hmm. something for like one of those, like if we get like a roadblock or if something changes with like the story. Mm -hmm. um, and so we like, he just never runs out of ideas, which is great. And I'm always like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and he's so good at like research too like mm -hmm. we'll, they'll be like oh we want to like use this character and he'll go out and like read everything about this character and like and like know it all and i'm oh. like well i'll just ask him if i have a question <laughs> and what about when you guys like don't i mean i've co-written a bunch of stuff and there's stuff where you click well and there's stuff where like there's a story beat where it doesn't you guys don't see eye to eye like how does that work with you guys oh sometimes it gets tricky you know it's very much like you know we've argued about stuff it's like and the, the whole thing is just try not to like take it past your the work you mm -hmm. know and i think it's definitely taken like it took a little bit to figure out like how to work together mm -hmm. and like not let that like bleed over into like regular life but now you know now it's pretty easy it's like uh I'm just like bother me when I have to get something done. <laughs> like, oh, deadline Friday, and I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta do these things. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being incredibly helpful, or maybe the worst thing ever that could happen to me being. Oh, it's like, awful for him. I'm so sorry that he's got to like bug me about stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, someone who would tell tell me when I have deadlines would be great, and I'd be like, until they actually tell me, and then I'd be like, I didn't want to know that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're, they're like, I know. <laughs> it's so, in my schedule. I just, I just don't know. So I, I definitely have the problem of saying yes to too many things. So sure. you end up with a schedule that's got like, you know, you got like five, five different deadlines a week and I can't keep any of them straight because I'm the most disorganized person. You're wrapping out on Wonder Woman now. 
And uh, I guess the question is, what are you doing next? What What is next for you? What do you have on the plate, on your very full plate that you can talk about? The very full plate, uh, one of the fun things that uh, Michael and I are still doing is together is Exo Man of War. Uh, Liam Sharp is painting the whole thing and it looks like a heavy metal book. It's like like Bilal came Jesus. down and just like, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's so cool. Um, and so that's probably going to go on for a bit, I hope. Fingers crossed. Sure. Um, and I've got a a short in the Creep Show anthology from Skybound. Uh, Garth Ennis wrote a little wrote a little story. It reads like um, it reads like a preacher, like a lost preacher script, and awesome. I got to draw that, which is super cool. Um, and then uh, I've got a short story that Michael and I co-wrote in the Genji Ito anthology that Viz is putting out. I don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but it has been announced. Uh, I, sh I should know. I don't. Are you, <laughs> busy, are you, are you drawing that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's 30 pages long. It's wild. It's um, it's about ice fishing. It's about two friends having a very good time ice fishing. Mm, that sounds like it's a Junji Ito story. Fun, just yeah, a just nice... a little, you know, just about friendship and ice fishing. You know? and fishing, yeah. Cool. That's, I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm sure nothing goes wrong. Nothing uh, bad happens. <laughs> that would be amazing. Be amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I've got a book with Distillery, uh, this new new publisher. A new publisher, yeah. Um, and yeah. it is super exciting. It's very close to like what like my mini comics. It's like probably the closest thing to that, um, like same kind of world. Uh, and I'm yeah. working with someone who's like a very close friend of mine, and I can't say too much more about it. Sure. Other than that, but it's that's you know kind of like a it feels cool because it's like it feels like a passion project mm -hmm. you know that do yeah. you are you excited to be like one of the launch people at a new publisher that always feels like such a yeah, heavy, I, cool thing i was excited i was like oh i get to talk about something <laughs> you know that was a that was pretty exciting and it's cool because it's like such a great group of people you know sure yeah. it's nice when you can go in and be like yeah like we're like it feels like you're doing something cool with your friends, which is like what, I mean, that's like the, that's why I got into comics. That's like why yeah. comics, like, I just want to make cool shit with my friends. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a well, perfect, perfect bookend. Yeah. yeah. You, you see how I brought it back. Yeah. The, it's beautiful. So you're, you're, you're excellent. <laughs> special, special guest. That's why, yeah, that's why you get this, you have to earn the special guest, but you earned it. I did. Um, thank you. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Becky Clunan. Make sure to check out Somna this November, along with everything else she's working on by giving her a follow on Twitter at Becky Clunan. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?